Good morning. My name's Natalie. I'm part of the King's Church family. Been involved in the church for a really long time and it's my privilege to speak this morning um, on the live stream. So it's great actually to be even speaking from the building this morning live. Um, This morning I'm going to be talking about some subjects that some of us might find difficult to hear about. They might be difficult because of your own experiences or because of the experiences of loved ones, people close to you. I'm going to be touching on uh, depression, feeling like you're in a pretty dark place, mental health, things like this. So if anything I say is kind of triggering for you or in any way troubles you, please do make sure that you reach out to someone afterwards. Please speak to a friend, someone that you trust, uh, get in touch with your connect group leader, or even during the week you can get in touch with one of the pastors here at the church. Please do go ahead and do that. Uh, For those of you who are watching with your children, I'm going to try to choose my words really carefully. Um, I'll be implying some things rather than stating them clearly. That's not because I don't want to be open or vulnerable. It's just because I appreciate that, you know, some of your kids might be a bit too young for some of the conversations it could lead to. That said, I'm really glad to have the opportunity this morning to talk on this subject because I think it's so important that we do wrestle with the hard times of life, that we do talk about how hard life can be sometimes. I'm pleased that we've got this series coming up on mental health in October because the truth is that many of us will have suffered or be suffering or know others who are suffering with mental health issues at this time. And actually, even just this week, the findings of some research were that said that during the coronavirus pandemic in the UK, anxiety, stress and depression have soared to rates much higher than usual. There's uncertainty ahead of us. Even for some of us, the uncertainty of whether we might go into a more strict lockdown again this coming week. Or we're wondering about, well, when will life return to normal? Will it ever return to normal? When will we be able to spend time with our loved ones, with our church family, go back to work as normal? All these things that are uncertain. And I'm sure, I know in my life, this is taking its toll on me. And I think for all of us, it will be taking its toll in one way or another. So in that context, I just wanted to share a little bit about my own experiences, particularly over the last seven years or so. Now, some of you watching this know me really well, and some of you know me a little bit, and some of you don't know me at all. If we're Facebook friends, you might look at my Facebook and think my life is absolutely wonderful. You'll see pictures of me having great time with friends, usually scrounging food from whoever I can, getting meals cooked for me, eating at people's houses, having great days out and things like that. You might also see posts that I put up about speaking engagements or a book that I've just had come out or interviews with the BBC. These are all really, really exciting things. My Facebook profile probably makes my life look great. And in many respects, it is. Those things are all true. I do have great friends. I do have great opportunities. On the whole, my life is full and it is fun. But what's on Facebook really is just a highlights reel. And the truth is that for the last seven years, up to about 18 months ago, these highlights on Facebook were actually punctuating a deep, a period of deep sadness and pain in my life that often felt quite overwhelming. I want to read a passage to us from Lamentations. It's a pretty bleak few verses from the Bible, to be honest with you, but it does get hopeful towards the end. But I want to read from Lamentations 3, verse 15 to 25, where it says this. God has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. 
He's made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So the truth is that while my life has been absolutely brilliant in many respects over the last few years, they have also actually been the hardest years of my life. Seven years ago, I hit a season of depression that at times felt like it had completely floored me, knocked me off my feet and shaken my faith to its core. I've always battled with depression and at various points in my life, I've taken medication and I've sought professional help. Uh, but I don't recall a time where it has ever been as bad as it was for the last few years, this most recent time where it felt prolonged and relentless. I felt like these words in Lamentations were true for me. I felt like my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. And I felt like my soul was continually remembering my afflictions and was bowed down within me. You know, my experience of depression is that there isn't always a clear-cut reason for it. Sometimes it creeps up on me out of the blue. Sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I feel this crushing weight of sadness on me that makes it hard to even get out of bed in the morning, let alone carry on with normal life. But sometimes it is triggered by things that happen in our lives. And that's been my more recent experience, that it was triggered initially by something that happened seven years ago, but then by kind of what felt like an onslaught of bad news after bad news after bad news in my life. In the last few years, it's felt like this relentless kind of onslaught of loss and grief and relationship breakdown and rejection and so on. And, and not all of these um, things have only happened to me. Sometimes they've been happening to my loved ones around me. And it's, you know, it can be hard for us to carry the weight of what happens to others that we deeply love as well as what happens in our own lives. The great Victorian preacher Charles Spurgeon said that there are times when all our evidences get clouded and all our joys are fled. That's how it felt for me in many points over the last seven years, that my evidences got clouded. I couldn't see clearly, and all my joys had fled. And he says, though we may still cling to the cross of Jesus, yet it is with a desperate grasp. I find it hard sometimes to find the words to describe what it felt like over the last few years, but I tend to nick some more words from Spurgeon and describe it like a dark valley season of the soul. During it, I wrestled with God, a lot. I wrestled with myself a lot. I wrestled with friends and colleagues, which I'm sure was a great joy for them as that was going on. I wrestled with some things in my past, some things in my present. I wrestled with hope for the future. It felt like everything was a battle. It felt like all these issues from the past, actually, of self-worth and rejection that I felt were long dealt with. It felt like they just got dragged back into my present and suddenly were looming like giants over my life. Not just that I couldn't defeat them, but I couldn't even see past them. And this went on for over five years. And there were, there were moments when it was better. It wasn't constant. 
but it felt like waves crashing down on me. And every time there was a better moment, every time there was a moment where I felt like I could get my head above the water and take a breath, it felt like another wave would just come crashing down. In fact, each time I'd say to God, I've reached the end of what I can cope with, more bad news would come. Something else would happen. Something else would knock me off my feet again and it would get worse. And at its worst, one of my friends had to come to my flat in the middle of the night in her pyjamas to make sure that I was safe. In fact, when she told me she was about to leave her house and come round to me, I said to her, you don't need to. I promise you, I will keep myself safe. But what she said later was actually, it wasn't just about coming to make sure that I was going to be okay. It was also because she knew that I felt really, really alone. And she thought, the way I can show you that you're not alone is by coming, even in my pyjamas in the middle of the night, and sitting with you. And you know what? That was so powerful for me. God spoke to me powerfully through it about the fact that he was with me in the midst of my suffering and my struggles. During this time, I I did cling to God whenever I could. I'd learned in the past through many times of going through difficult times and running away from God that actually that's never a good idea. I, I had this kind of track record, this history with God where whenever I'd run away from him, I'd learned this isn't the way to do it. And so I'd learned that actually over many years to put in that deep foundation of when life gets hard, we run to God, not away from him. I've been described a few times as being tenacious. And often when I'm described like that, it's not meant as a compliment. But do you know what? Actually, during this time, there was a tenacity in my soul where I was like, God, I will not let you go. I will not let you go. Not always. Sometimes friends would have to do that for me. But other times I was like clinging on to God. I would take myself to Ashburnham, just down the road from here, for hours at a time. And I would get myself lost in the woods and I would pray. And I would kind of plead with God for breakthrough. And sometimes I wouldn't even be able to pray. Sometimes I'd just cry and cry and cry before God. In Psalm 63 verse 8, it says, I cling. It says, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And that's how I felt. Like I was clinging to God, but actually his hand was upholding me. There was both. There was me clinging and him gloriously upholding me. But even through the clinging and the upholding, at its worst, if I'm honest with you, I started to question, does the gospel of Jesus Christ really work? Does it work? Because the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. So I would say to God, well, where is it? Where is it, God? I want to know that power. At my lowest point, I said to a couple of my friends, do you know what? I believe that the word rejection will always speak a louder word over my life than the name of Jesus Christ. That is how hopeless it felt at times. But even in the midst of that, I would still cry out to God saying, Jesus died for my freedom. The Bible says Jesus died for my breakthrough. So if Jesus' blood has paid for it, then then God, I want it. Please can I have what Jesus has already bought for me? That was kind of the tenacious clinging on to God that I kept crying out to him. And my story, to be honest, isn't life was really hard and now life was really wonderful. My story is that life was really hard, punctuated with moments that were wonderful And now, actually, for a season, life is pretty great, punctuated with bits of it that are pretty hard. 
And I'm sure it's going to go up and down over the course of my life. But I do know that I have had some breakthrough in some of the things that I'm talking about this morning. I I honestly don't know whether I'll experience depression again. If you said to me, do you think you've been healed of depression? My answer is I don't know because it's always come in seasons for me. So I'm not saying there was this magic moment of breakthrough. What I am saying is that God does precious work in the dark seasons of our lives. Precious work that becomes so valuable to us. I know that God did profound things in my life during this recent valley season. And I also know that what they happened during a process. Like I said, it wasn't about some moment of encounter. There was a process in which God and I have walked together. Sometimes me feeling totally lost and all at sea, but other times knowing his firm grip upon me. And my thinking as I walked through this journey started to change slowly. It happened slowly and then it happened suddenly. I caught myself reacting to a specific situation in a very different way to how I normally would. And I thought, that's interesting. I don't normally react this well. Normally, I'd, I'd take that really badly. And then the moment had passed, and then I did react badly. But then the next time a similar thing happened, I, I caught myself again reacting differently. And those reactions just started to change, started to grow. I started to work it out over time with my friends, but also with a professional counsellor to get help to actually know how to navigate some of my reactions and why do things press my buttons in certain ways. I've learned how to settle my heart and my mind. Obviously, there are still things that are painful in my life. Obviously, there are still things that are sad. And and actually, often the response of feeling pain or feeling sadness is the right response. When we experience loss or grief, for example, we're supposed to hurt. That's part of what makes us human. It's part of us recognizing that life is not as it should be. It's not as God designed it. But one day, it will be again. Like I said, I worried in the past that the word rejection, for example, would always speak a louder word over my life than the name of Jesus. But now I know that's not true. I've found so much wonder and joy in the process of walking through these battles with Jesus and seeing breakthrough in some long-held patterns in my thoughts and emotions. But it's ongoing. So why did I want to share this story with you or little bits of my story with you this morning? Well, partly it was a sense that God wanted me to be open about it in the hope that it might help others who are struggling with things I've struggled with. So I think there's a few reasons that I wanted to share it. Firstly, I just want to say it is good to get help. It's good to get help. I've mentioned that I had counselling. In fact, I saw a fully qualified professional counsellor for over two years. Um, He's a Christian as well. I still see him now when I need to. In fact, I've seen him in the last week because there was something that was troubling me that I wanted to talk to him about. There is no shame in getting help. If you have been struggling with issues for a long time and you don't seem to be able to get any breakthrough, then there's a process to go through of working towards that with someone who is professionally trained. Feel free to do that. Please don't be ashamed. Please don't be afraid to do it. I found it so invaluable. If I'm honest with you, it is the best money I've ever spent in my life, and I would do it all again in a heartbeat, even when it was hard and painful. Secondly, you might not be able to relate to my experience at all. You might be watching this thinking, do you know what? I've never been depressed. I've never really struggled with mental health. That's great, but I bet you know someone who has. I bet you know someone even now who is struggling with depression or anxiety or stress or any number of mental health issues. Often it was my friends who kept me going. I had two friends in particular who would often say to me, 
I've got faith for you. And I would respond with, well, I haven't. But they would say again, I've got faith for you. And sometimes when I couldn't have faith for myself, what I needed was to know that there were people around me who still believed that things could get better, who still believed that this wasn't how it was going to be forever. I needed people who could lift my head up to look at Jesus when I couldn't lift it up for myself. And there'll be people around you who need that too. So have faith for others. Thirdly, breakthrough may be closer than you think. I'm not saying there's going to be a magic moment. Like I've said, I didn't have that for me, where life is suddenly all wonderful. But actually, for me, when the battle was fiercest, when I was at my lowest, when things were darkest, little did I know that I was actually just a few weeks away from breakthrough. Uh, There's a picture that's going to come up on your screens now. And this is what it felt like for me. At the point at which the guy at the bottom turns away, he was so close to breakthrough. And often we are closer to breakthrough than we think. And often we get uh, particularly um, upset or it's particularly hard because we compare ourselves to others. But, you know, comparison will kill your faith. Because if you're comparing your your worst day to someone else's social media highlights, it's not going to make you feel good. It's not going to be helpful. You might be closer to breakthrough than you think. One of the key things that I learned during this season is that there's more potential for growth in the valleys. In fact, the mountaintops are wonderful, but there's no life there. Nothing grows on a mountaintop. It's in the valleys where things can grow. I am closer to Jesus now because of what I've gone through in these last few years. I actually find him more beautiful and more wonderful. And I have such a vibrancy to my faith now where I almost feel like I've become a Christian all over again because of the valley that Jesus and I walked through together. I've also learned that Jesus is more, that God is more committed to my Christ-likeness than to anything else. You know, again, if I'm honest with you, I'm very committed to my comfort, very committed to my own convenience, my happiness. I would like life to be completely pain-free, if I'm honest with you. I would like to never cause anyone else any pain and never be caused any pain. But actually, God's primary goal for me is actually that I become more like Jesus. Romans 8.28 is a really well-known Bible verse, but we often don't quote it in the context of Romans 8 verse 29. I just want to read these verses to us quickly. And we know that in all that God... Let me start again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Why? What for? To be conformed to the image of his son. God's goal for our lives is that we become more like Jesus. But before we fall into the trap of thinking that God just lets us go through really hard stuff then just so we learn a load of lessons, we must remember that he is compassionate. He wants us to become more like Jesus, but because that's good for us, that's his best for us, If we look at Jesus and we see him how he really is, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he's tender-hearted. The Bible says, a bruised reed he will not break. Who doesn't want to become more like him? But sometimes it's through our trials and our sufferings and our struggles that we actually become more and more like Jesus. In Isaiah 49, it says, the Lord has compassion on his people who are afflicted and he comforts us. 
And in Matthew 9, we read that Jesus, seeing the crowds, that they were helpless and harassed, he responded in compassion. He's kind, he's gentle, he's tender-hearted, he loves us. He wants the best for us and he is right there in our suffering with us, empathizing with us. In Luke 22, it describes Jesus himself as being in emotional agony. He knows what it feels like and he's right there with us. And finally, I just want to say, don't disqualify yourself. If you are going through a really hard time right now, don't bench yourself. Don't wait and think, I'll do things that God's called me to. I'll love others. I'll reach out to others. I'll, I'll press forward in my faith when God's sorted me out. God doesn't wait for us to be fully healed and fully whole. God uses us even when we're weak and when we're broken. In fact, he mainly uses us when we're weak and when we're broken. It's when we are weak and broken that his power is made perfect. Tim Keller posted this on Twitter this week. Life-giving faith grows beautiful and pure in the same place that gold grows beautiful and pure, in the furnace. That's been my experience. During the dark valley season of depression, do you know, if I'm honest with you, my, my, the only thing I really hoped for is that I would find a way to somehow make peace with God, to feel peace in my mind and heart with God over why he'd let me go through these difficult seasons. That's what I hoped for. But, you know, the truth is that actually I'm now grateful for that season. That's the truth. I'm actually thankful for the valley that I went through. And I remember acutely how awful it felt. And yet I'm still grateful for it because what God does in the valleys can end up being far more precious to us than what he does in the mountaintops. I'm amazed, to be honest with you, that I can say to you with complete certainty that given the choice between my Facebook highlights reel and the valley season of the last seven years, if you said to me, which one do you want in your life? Which one would you choose? I can say to you with complete honesty and certainty, I would choose the valley season over the Facebook highlights. Because what God has done in the valleys has been so much more precious, so much more profound. It's been life-giving, faith-building. And like I said, I find Jesus so much more beautiful because of what I've been through with him. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you are good all the time. You are good all the time. When we go through mountaintop seasons, when we go through deep, dark valleys, you are with us. You will not forsake us. No one can snatch us out of your hand. You are doing us good even when it doesn't feel like it to us because your ways are higher than our ways. You know what you're doing and we trust you, God. And I just pray that for those who are struggling and suffering with their mental health, particularly with depression and anxiety this morning, God, would you come close? I thank you, you are close, but I pray their experience would be to feel you rushing in to be close with them. Thank you, your word says you are close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. And God, we pray, would you, would you meet with people? God, I pray whatever has been helpful from what I've said, would, people, would it help people to cling to you? And whatever has been unhelpful, would it just be dismissed straight out of hand? God, I pray for those who know this is me and I need help. God, would they reach out? God, I pray for those who know that their friends are suffering. Would you give them fresh faith for their friends again? In Jesus' name, amen.